Remember that feeling of joy, like a spark of light, being innocent and free, like an evening breeze on a summer night. But then a slight change as the north wind blows, the shame of sin as addiction takes hold, feeling darkness close as the doors start to close. The unrelenting march of winter has won. It seems the occupation has begun. White flags, hands up, darkness assumes the throne. But then a flicker of light in the dead of night. The opposition is nervous. They heard the wounded healer has joined the fight. Resurrection, the glimmer of his battle scars makes the night take flight. Insurrection, we're emboldened. That's why there's more of us now, right? We've been locked up, but he set us free. We once were blind, but now we see. We no longer retreat because we've tasted and seen. And now we believe that the darkness will not overcome the light. Let us pray. Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for the awesome God that you are. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just pour out on each person here tonight. Lord, I pray that we might experience that baptism of your spirit. That we might leave here as new people because we have been with Jesus. I pray that just as the spirit was fluttering over the, the darkness and the waters at, at creation, Lord, that the spirit would move over the waters of our lives that you would speak life and light into the darkness and the darkest places of our hearts. That, Lord, you would rebuke the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. That you would break any bondage that is holding anybody back from being the person you've called them to be. And, Lord, I just hope you, I, I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes so we might hear what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In John, the sixth chapter, verse 18, we read, The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. So tonight's sign is in a storm. With each sign, we're seeing God's love and plan for our life and help us see that plan and God's character a little bit clearer. Notice John 20 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in the book. So why did John include the signs that he did? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. That is the whole point of this series. God is speaking life into our lives. God is speaking life on this campus. God is speaking life into this church and the, to this community. John's gospel is all about new creation, new life. Each sign echoes and has elements of the first creation. And that's because the same power and process that went into creating the world in seven days is recreating you this evening. And the thing is, is the more that we apply the principles that we've learned in our series, the more we will see victory over the darkness that often tries to invade our life. So in sign one, we explored 
the principles of honesty and surrender and acceptance. When I can accept my problem, that's the first point. I've got to get honest about where I am in my life. Sign two, we talked about hope and belief. So the first sign, I can't. Second sign, he can. Hope, belief. And then sign number three, we talked about faith. Faith is hope and belief in action. If nothing changes, nothing changes. It, uh, there has to come a point where you start practicing what you've been preaching. And then sign four, last night we looked at the importance of finding contentment in Christ alone. Find, finding him, he is the only bread that really satisfies. Which leads to our fifth sign. In this, we are going to learn and unlock the principle of courage. We're going to talk about courage tonight. Because you see, there's nothing that comes between us and our new life like fear. The greatest obstacle I see in churches and in corporations and, and institutions in people's lives, it is fear. Fear is the greatest inhibitor to growth. There is an acronym we would often share in recovery about fear. Fear, forget everything and run or face everything and recover. You see, that is the response. That's the choice we have. And, and, and I have often said, forget everything and run or face everything and experience resurrection. That is our choice today. Face everything, forget everything and run, or face everything and experience new life. So this sign happens in a storm. You see, throughout the Gospels, we see the disciples going through some pretty intense storms. In Matthew 14, 24, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. I wonder who here has been fighting heavy waves this last week? Who here has been fighting heavy waves this last year? Man, for some of us, this last year has been the stormiest year of our lives. And here's the thing about storms. You cannot avoid the storms of life. Some of us lost people that we love. Some of us lost our jobs. Man, problems and pandemics, I mean, you name it, it's been a rough storm. In fact, some of us are in a storm right now. Sure, we might come in here and we may say, you know what, I'm fine, everything's okay. But if truth were seen, there would be a whole lot of dark, stormy clouds in this room tonight. Storms affect everybody. You can't escape them. Regardless of socioeconomic status or education or culture or ethnicity, the storms of life do not discriminate. They are an equal opportunity destroyer. And you can't avoid them. They, you know, I, it's so crazy. This morning I woke up uh, with a phone call um, from, my, from my son, and, and, and this morning someone was shot by the police in my front yard. Individual, I, I don't know if, uh, exactly who it is, I don't know all the details, but he had a, an automatic rifle and, and waving it around, and, and, and the police 
uh, told him to put it down. He didn't, and, and they shot him about eight times. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because, you know, for years and often we think we can avoid the storms of life, that we can hide from the storms of life. But let me tell you, you don't have to go looking for storms. Storms come looking for you. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you are. You see, living a new life doesn't mean no more storms. In fact, the worst storms are coming. So because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't experience storms, but the good news is it does mean that you don't have to go through your storms alone. You see, the good news is storms don't catch God off guard. Storms, you know, storm, flash floods do not phase God. Hurricanes can't hurt them. Your worst storm has nothing on your Savior. And so today we're going to look at these three points on my subject, the voice in the storm. God speaks to the storm you are in. God speaks to you in the storm. And finally, God speaks to the storm in you. We are going to learn what real courage is. First, let's look at God speaks to the storm you are in. One day he got into a boat and with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So check it out. Jesus wants to take his disciples from point A to point B. He wants to take them to the other side. You see, I believe that tonight God wants to do the same thing in some of our lives. He wants to take you in point A in, 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 his, in your relationship with him to point B. God wants to take you to that next level in your relationship with him. But here's the thing, the only way that can ever happen, the only way you can go to that next level in your relationship with God is if you let go of the safety of the seashore. You know, you may feel safer docked at the harbor, but the last time I checked, boats were made for sailing. you got to push off from the seashore. How long have you allowed fear to keep you on this side of the storm? Friends, you need to know tonight that if, that if God tells you to go over, you can never go under. I'm going to say that one more time. If God tells you to go over, you can never go under. Luke 8, 23, and as they sa sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. The Sea of Galilee is still known for storms that show up suddenly, and this is because of the warm air that is there around the, around the lake, mixing with the colder air that comes up off the mountains, and it, it is very common for, for smooth and sunny to go rough dark and stormy within a few minutes. It is very common for smooth sailing to turn into rough sailing. And friends, that's what life is like. I'm talking about the bad diagnosis. In an instant, your world gets turned upside down. I'm talking about the bad divorce or, or the arrest. I'm talking about the pandemic, the panic attacks. I'm talking about the unplanned pregnancy. Suddenly, our world gets turned upside down. We try to hold it together, but we can't. We're just like the disciples in the storm. They're trying to stay afloat, but they're taking on too much water in their boat. But then I love it because when they're, when they're there and things are crazy, suddenly they remember that Jesus is on board. 
You know, sometimes in life you're going to feel like you're drowning. And I want you to remember in those moments, Jesus is on board. And they went out and they woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Check it out. This is the first three steps of recovery, a new life. They went and woke a master, master, we are perishing. I can't, he can, now I'm going to wake him up and let him. Mark's gospel records, teacher, do you not care? Have you ever felt like God didn't care? You're sinking, and it seems like Jesus is sleeping. Lord, do you not care for the struggles that I'm going through? Lord, do you not care about the pain that I am experiencing? And so he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Mark 4, 39 says, peace be still. I love the translators because they're always so poetic the way they put it, right? Peace be still. But when you actually read the language, it would be more equivalent that Jesus tells the storm, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Jesus tells the storm to shut up. This word, uh, be still, it actually means to be quiet. It means to put a muzzle on something like an animal to keep its mouth from opening. You see, this is why I'd rather be in a storm with Jesus than on the shore without him. Because when he speaks to the storm, the storm listens. Tonight, I want you to ask God to put a muzzle on your storm. Lord, I need you to put a muzzle on the devil. I need you to put a muzzle on the depression. I need you to put a muzzle on the worry and the regret. I need you to tell the bill collectors, shut up. Man, after I got clean, you know, the wreckage from the storm of addiction was rough, man. All that doctor shopping, all those bills eventually started piling up, man. The wreckage of my past, the, you know, you, just because, you know, you, you're experiencing recovery doesn't mean that you don't have to make things right. You know, there's something called making amends and, you know, making amends, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in the next two presentations, but making amends is not saying I'm sorry, my family was so sick of me saying, I'm sorry. Finally, one day my wife just said, Richie, you are sorry. You know, they got so sick of hearing, I'm sorry. Real amends isn't saying, I'm sorry. Real amends is stopping the behavior that is requiring the sorry to be said. So my, my real amends was when I stopped lying. My real amends was when I stopped cheating. My, my real amends happened when I stopped manipulating. That's when my real amends happened. That's what the family wanted more than a sorry. But I had to make things right. I had to make things right. And so I knew that as a part of making things right and, you know, paying the bills and things like that, but... Man, it was becoming overwhelming early in re recovery. And man, I started watching the bills stack up on my counter. And, and one evening when I was drowning in bills and, and the bill collector, I went up to Marvin, you know. And let me tell you, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have Christian people in your life, if you don't have godly people in your life, if you don't have mentors, you've got to get with some people. 
And if you do anything from this series, you're going to connect with someone because the only wrong way to do new life is to try to do it alone. We need the church. We need each other. And so I was overwhelmed with it, and I, and, I, and I went up to my sponsor, Marvin, and I said, man, I don't know what to do. These bills keep on piling up. And he said, Richie, I want you to do the best you can with what you can, when you can, and then you just need to give the rest to God. And if seeing the bills is overwhelming you, just throw them away. <laughs> don't worry, they'll send you another one next month. And so that's what I did. You know, out of sight, out of mind. I threw it away. And, then, and, and, and I threw them away. And sure enough, next month, I got another bill. They don't forget. And so I would do that. And then I would, I would get a bill and I'd have some money finally because I had a job and I'd start paying that off. And then I'd get that bill done. I'd get that bill done. And hallelujah, I started paying those bills. You see, friends, you need to know that, 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 that transformation is a process. Don't get overwhelmed with all the changes that God wants to do in your life. Creation didn't happen overnight, and neither does new creation. But it has to begin at some point. You've got to have the courage to begin stepping out in faith. You need to know tonight that you have a power in your corner that is bigger than your problems. And God is going to get you through whatever storm you're going through. And so check it out. Jesus tells the storm to shut up and the wind ceased. And check it out. There was a great calm. You see, Jesus speaks to the storm that you are in. Secondly, God speaks to you in the storm. So check it out. The same disciples are on the same body of water, but this time they're, not a, they're alone. Jesus is not with them. At least that's what they think. Now both Matthew and John say Jesus went into the mountains praying, but Mark adds an important detail. Check this out. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. So check this out. Jesus is in the foothills. He's in those little mountains surrounding the Sea of Galilee, and he's praying. And from the disciples' perspective, they're all alone. But you need to know that believers are never alone. You see, God is always in your situation. Before you see him, Jesus is praying while simultaneously keeping an eye on his disciples because Jesus prays with his eyes open. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he isn't there. He can see when making headway is painful. He can see when the wind turns against you. And when he sees the storm getting rough, Hallelujah, that's when Jesus shows up. And that's when he shows up. John 6, 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. Which is why John notes an important detail. When the wind started blowing, the disciples had to start rowing. Friends, this is so key. When the winds of strife start blowing, taking you in a direction you don't want to be going, that's your cue. You better get rowing. 
When it's not as easy to go to the meetings as it once was, that's when I had to start rowing. When it's not as easy to come to church as it once was, that's when I had to start rowing. When it was harder to pray, that was my cue to start running. We have been in a week of prayer and God is moving, but uh, 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 two weeks from this, when you start going to a storm, that's when you got to start rowing. The old behaviors start returning, man. You better start rowing. When you got friends going a direction, you know you shouldn't go, man. You got to start rowing. Couples. You know how it is when you first started dating. Man, that was smooth sailing, wasn't it? Man, you were so full of air. Your sales, man, I, you know, as a pastor, I love it when I talk to my newlyweds, people I've married, you know, and I ask them how it's going, and they come up to me, they're like, oh, pastor, this is so great. I love it, man, this couldn't be better. I should have done it a long time ago. They've only been married for two weeks. <laughs> Listen, friends, it doesn't take much effort to love that perfect new soulmate. Remember we talked about soulmates. But it doesn't take long for a storm to come. And suddenly you find out that that soulmate ain't so perfect. Start rowing. Start rowing. You see, friends, we are responsible for our life. We've got to start rowing. We are a product of our own decisions. We've got to start rowing. Overcoming the darkness doesn't happen by doing nothing. If nothing changes, nothing changes. You've got to start rowing. No, we are not saved by works. But make no mistake, there is plenty of hard work in our process. You've got to stop letting fear coming between you and your miracle. When the going gets tough, the tough get rowing. Do everything you can and then trust God with everything you can't. Do everything that you can do and then trust that God will do everything he can do. And I'm not suggesting God helps those who help themselves. I don't know who came up with that saying, but that has got to be the dumbest saying ever created. Because let me tell you, my life is a testament. God helped me when I was helpless. God did not help me when I could help myself. I was broken. I was empty. I was spiritually, emotionally, mentally, financially bankrupt. I was helpless. And that was when God helped me. But you still have to participate in your transformation. You still got to begin rowing. The Bible says that they had rowed about three or four miles now, it's really interesting, but in one of my favorite books, The Desire of Ages, the author notes that the original distance was less than a mile, and what should have only taken one hour takes them eight hours. So according to the writer, it's because the disciples procrastinated and did not go when Jesus said go, that they hit bad weather, get knocked off course, taking twice as long to reach their destination. Friends, I would suggest it is taking the church twice as long to reach its final destination. Because when Jesus says go, man, Jesus says go, we don't go. 
We don't move when Jesus says move. You see, friends, some of us should have already cut up the credit cards. Some of us should have already gone to see a marriage counselor. Some of us should have already forgiven that person. Some of us should have already uh, made that decision for baptism. Some of us already should have invited our neighbor to the meeting. Man, this already should have become a place of diversity and equity. The church should already be about social justice and gospel renewal, a priority. Man, we could be in glory already if we got moving. But because of selfishness, procrastinations, dumb decisions, you know, strong headwinds, hot air, we don't go when we should be going. God says go and we drag our feet. But the good news is no matter how off track we get, our God can correct the course. When the winds of life get too rough, hallelujah, that's when Jesus shows up. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Check it out. Man, the waves are rolling, but Jesus is strolling. When the storm is crazy, Jesus is not. Okay? When the, when the people in the world are crazy, Jesus is not. And check it out, when they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened, but he said to them, this is important, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus speaks to you in the storm, and his words to you right now are, don't be afraid, I'm here. You don't know how you're going to pay the rent? God says, don't be afraid, I'm here. You don't know how you're going to ever graduate? God says, don't worry, I'm here, don't be afraid. You don't know how that loved one will ever be saved. Jesus' words to you are right now, don't be, be afraid, I am here. Did you know that do not be afraid is in the Bible 365 times? That is a do not be afraid for every single day of your life. Do not be afraid. You see, God knows that in order to be the people he's called us to be, that fear is the greatest obstacle in future growth. And so that's why the resurrected Lord, he's always saying, peace be unto you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Peace be unto you. Stop allowing fear to keep you from being the person I've called you to be. You see, he speaks to you in the storm. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter is being tossed back and forth on his boat, but he sees Jesus walking on the waves. You see, Peter wants to walk in his storms like Jesus. He's saying, Lord, I want you to make me a wave walker today. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is only through the power of Christ that we can walk through the storms of life. So Matthew 14, 29, Jesus says, come. Jesus says, come. You see, he speaks to you in the storm. Matthew 14, 30, Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. 
And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When Peter, and I know we've all heard, many of us have probably heard a billion sermons on this, but it is so fundamental. When Peter stopped focusing on his goal and he started focusing on his problem and his opposition, friends, that's when he started sinking. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the goal. You see, Mark Twain said that courage... Courage is resistance to fear. It's mastering of fear, but it is not the absence of fear. You see, courage is not not being afraid. It is not the absence of fear. It is walking through the, the fear. It is moving forward in spite of the fear. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. It doesn't mean you don't experience fear. You're just not allowing it to rule your life. I want to be honest, friends. I think we are way too hard on Peter in this scene. You know, you know, whenever Peter does anything, we're always just kind of shaking our heads. Oh, that Peter. He's such a rascal. Oh, you Peter of little faith. I think we're too hard on Peter. Because, man, at least Peter got out of the boat. You know, the Bible doesn't say how many steps Peter walked on the water. But that's the only person who the Bible says walked on the water but Jesus. I don't see the Bible saying that about anyone else. You see, people like to fault Peter for sinking, but they never started walking. Friends, there are going to be those who criticize your decision. There are going to be those who criticize your dream, your faith, your belief. You know, they're going to criticize you for what you stand up for. Listen, they're too scared to get out of the boat. So to take the attention off of them, they're going to criticize you. When you start walking on the waves of life with Jesus, man, you are going to attract lines of haters. You don't walk the way they think you should walk. You no longer talk the way they think you should talk. You don't handle the storm the way they do. They're not handling their storm. Friends, when the haters show up, I want you to just keep on walking. When the devil keeps whispering, I want you to just keep on walking. You know what? I may not have walked as far as I would have liked to have walked last year, but at least I walked a little. You see, friends, we got to get better at celebrating small steps. Hallelujah, you made it here tonight. That's a victory. That's a miracle. we got to get better at celebrating small steps. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say that Peter sank. It says that he's beginning to sink. There is a big difference between sinking and being sunk. The Bible says, in beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You see, when you start sinking, you cry out, Lord, save me. When you start contemplating that sin, you cry out, Lord, save me. When you start craving, that's when you cry out, Lord, save me. When you start resenting, that's when you cry out, Lord, save me. When you start contemplating spending, you cry out, Lord, save me. Don't wait till you're in the department store in line. Because then it is too late. In recovery, relapse happens spiritually before it ever manifests physically. 
People relapse years before they actually ever take a drug or drink a drop. They stop working a program. They stop praying. They stop practicing the principles. They stop waking up every morning and saying, I can't, but you can, and I'm going to let you do it today in my life. When you start sinking, shout, save me. The second you start sinking, I can't, you can, God help me. And the second you say it, the Bible says he does it. That's what I love. Check it out. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Check it out. Jesus didn't wait. Jesus didn't have to think about it. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't have to form a committee to discuss it. Jesus didn't make Peter recite all 28 fundamental beliefs. The Bible says immediately. I want you to say that with me tonight. Immediately. Immediately, salvation is immediate when Christ takes you by the hand and lifts you up. Help doesn't always come the way you want, but help always comes the way you need. Salvation is immediate. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not only is God faithful to forgive you, but the Bible says he's just to forgive you. And that's important because that means when you confess your sin, Christ's blood, his atoning blood, the propitiation for our sins, the payment for our sins is paid. And God is just. So why are you still repenting and confessing a sin that Christ has already blotted out. You see, God would be unjust if he received payment from Christ and received payment from you. He is not only faithful to forgive you, he is just. Not only is his faithfulness on your side, God's justice is on your side. <laughs> oh, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the judgment, man, is we, we serve a God of justice. We serve a God of mercy and love. Saying to him, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now when you look at the original language, the phrase saying to him is, is not there. Of course the translators add that. And, and, and yes, the OU is, is singular, so I'm sure, you know, they are accurate in imply, you know, saying that Jesus is talking to Peter, but, you know, in my cynical mind and my sanctified imagination, just humor me, but maybe, just maybe, he wasn't even talking to Peter, but as he reached down to get Peter, who walked on water a little, he was actually looking at the, the other 11 still sitting on the boat. Oh, you of little faith. At least Peter got out of the boat and walked a little. You see, friends, it is better to try and fail than to never try at all. I have never met anyone who regretted attempting anything. I have never met anyone who has regretted attempting something courageous, even if they failed at it. The greatest regret I hear people tell me is that they never ever attempted it. They never made a decision to do it. They regret just sitting on the sidelines. You see, friends, it is from our failures. It is from our failures 
that we learn some of our greatest lessons. If you're always afraid of sinking, you'll never start walking. You see, it is, it is by sinking that we learn to adjust our faith and, and, and have greater faith and this time walk on the wave that we once sunk in. If you're always afraid of sinking, you'll never start walking. Jesus speaks to the storm that you are in. God speaks to you in the storm. Last point, God speaks to the storm in you. Friends, our worst storms are always on the inside. Aren't they? Our worst storms are on the inside. Everybody here has a storm going on below the surface that you have no idea what they're going through. The worst storms any of us are facing are within. In Isaiah 59, 19, we run into this verse. It says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood. You see, according to this text, when we start worshiping God with all, with, with, with all that we've got, the enemy starts attacking us with all that he's got. The enemy never stops coming after you. The addiction never stops wanting you dead. Yes, you can experience freedom. Yes, you can have victory. And yes, the temptation can be taken away. But the enemy never stops attacking. If you kick him out of the front door, he's going to come and look for a back door. In meetings, people would often say, my disease is outside this room doing push-ups, waiting until I let my guard down. Man, even our own feelings often work against us. Fear, always there trying to rob you of becoming the person God wants you to become. Fear is always there trying to keep you from becoming the new creation that Christ wants you to become. Sometimes the internal storms are so powerful, they're so incredibly powerful that we can lose perspective. And you go from feeling forgiven to feeling forsaken. Instead of surrounding yourself with positive people of faith, you return to old friends. Church becomes hit or miss again. Bible study becomes hit or miss. Prayer becomes hit or miss. And suddenly old patterns and old thinking behaviors start returning. Old habits, old behaviors. Don't you see, friends, the enemy wants to drown you. The darkness wants to overcome you. But hallelujah, the verse doesn't end there. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spear of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Oh man, I love this imagery. You see, God speaks to the storm that is in you. In ancient times, a standard was a flag. It was a rallying cry. It served multiple purposes. It was, a, it was, a, it was an object of loyalty but more than anything, in ancient times, a standard was a, was a flag to communicate during battle. And you see, the standard communicated a basic message. Your general, your king is still alive. Keep going. Your king is still living. Keep moving. Victory is ours because victory is his. In, in Shakespeare, in Shakespeare, Henry VIII, in part three, in act two, in scene two, Edward, Prince of Wales, says 
Sound the trumpets, let our bloody colors wave, and either victory or else a grave. Friends, our battle standard communicates an even better message to us today. Sound the trumpets. Let his bloody colors wave. Victory is ours because of a cross and an empty grave. Friends, the storms of life, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you've got to remember your standard. You've got to remember your standard. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and righteous. He judges and makes war. That word righteousness means justice. Injustice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself and he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God friends the only storm that could have ever destroyed you Jesus destroyed with his death and resurrection the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not will not and cannot overcome it Jesus says because I live you will live which means no matter how rough your storm gets, you're coming through your storm. If Christ is the captain of your life, you're coming through your storm. If Christ is your king, you're coming through this storm. You might go into the grave, but at the resurrection, you're coming out of the grave. I wonder, are you ready to leave your storm behind tonight? Are you ready to listen to the voice of the Lord in the storm? I'm going to give an invitation because, friends, I didn't come here just to give some information. I came here to see lives transformed. And I believe God wants to transform some lives. I don't know what, what, what sin is besetting you. I don't know what, what, what destructive thought pattern or, or, or what addiction, habit, hang-up, or heartbreak is hurting you. I believe Jesus is speaking to someone tonight. Come down onto the waters. Become a wave walker with Jesus tonight. Don't allow fear to keep you from becoming the person Christ is calling you to become. If God talks to your heart, if he's telling you to come, then you come. Step out onto the water and meet me here up front. Thank you for listening to The Darkness Will Not Overcome, a production of Pioneer Memorial Church in collaboration with Andrews University Center for Faith Engagement. To learn more about Pioneer Memorial Church, visit pmchurch.org. If you or someone you know would like to talk to someone about a mental health or substance abuse issue, please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again in the future for another Pioneer Podcast.